0: Hey there, Andrea here. I'm so excited because I have a wonderful guest on the show today. Her name is Christine and I am so thrilled because I actually found her in our support group and I'm so thrilled. She found us through the podcast, but um, I'm so happy to have her on the show because she spreads positivity and she just, she's always in there responding to everyone and just supporting so many people that, you know, love someone with an addiction. And um, I just am so grateful and thankful for her being on the show. So I'd love to welcome you. Welcome, Christine. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, I am a mom of three grown children, and um, I'm married, and um, my oldest daughter is is my addicted loved one. So, um, she is what has brought me into, um, recovery <laughs> as we call it. She's been in, um, she's been in a relationship with, um, drugs since she was probably in middle school and, um, she will be 33 next month. So this has been a long time and she has a daughter Um, my daughter, she'll, my granddaughter will be 14 next year. So, um, it's, 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 it's tough. It's tough. It's a family disease. And when I first, you know, really learned about it, um, or realized that she had a drug, um, problem, I didn't know what to do when, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I, um, I did all the wrong things. As most people do when they don't know anything about it, um, which means I, in the in the um, in trying to help, I enabled, which is trying to control and help them uh, find a soft place to land, so that they so that you hope that they're going to take that as an opportunity to find recovery. Mm. Um, whether that means you pay their bill, you know, like I've done it all. I've paid the bills. I've helped her do so many things. She's been in and out living with me and my granddaughter and, um, and for a lot of years, I just, I ignored it or I didn't really notice it. Um, and she, she was. I would think she was functional. She was using, she was functional. She'd go to work and all these things. But it wasn't until um, the beginning of last year, um, she was living with me. And I always wanted to make sure that I always had her living with me as long as I could because I wanted my granddaughter under my roof. I wanted to make sure that she had a healthy environment to grow up in. And I thought by letting my daughter stay with me, I was keeping her safe. But what I didn't realize was I was helping kill her, literally. She had a stroke when she, it was February of last year and she had a stroke while she was living with me and uh, nearly died. Um, She was paralyzed on her left side for about a month. She was in, so she went to rehab it's like a physical rehab that also does drug rehab. And she was there for a while and we thought, okay, this this is rock bottom because you know you think everybody has a rock bottom. And that is true. but um, you also realize that some people's rock bottom is death and that's really, really hard to accept. And um, but I did let her move back with us. and then she moved out. I asked her, I had to ask her to leave. After a couple of months because I could see the signs of going back to the people, places and things that she was doing, you know, while she was in active use and, um, she did, she moved out and, um, it just went downhill from there. And, um, so now I am not in contact with her. I haven't really been in contact with her for a few months, which was very hard because the When I first learned that she really had a serious problem, like her life was at risk, I joined Al-Anon. I can't even tell you how I found it. I think it was a friend (laughs) told me about it. And literally that program has saved my life because it's taught me so many things. It taught me vocabulary I never had heard before. The word codependency, I didn't know what that was. And I, I was very, very codependent on her. You know, they say, if you've heard that term that moms use, sometimes the mothers are only as happy as their saddest child. <laughs> um, that was me. Like, I wanted to make sure I controlled everybody. And if I could solve your problem, I was there. I could fix it all. And I tried to fix it all. And um, it, that was the hardest thing is it, it didn't matter it didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter if I paid the bills, if I covered up, if I begged, if I pleaded, if I ignored. Um, I was I, be, I was becoming as sick as she is in my own way. You know, they say that alcoholism and drug addiction is a family disease and I could never understand. And you know, I was thinking, I don't, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm yeah. not the one living in it. But what you realize is, it makes the entire family sick. You are running around trying to, you know, you're snooping, trying to find things, you're, you know, you're, you're eavesdropping. You might be, I never did this, but there, you know, you could follow them. You can do all kinds of things, uh, trying to make their burden easier so that you think if I can make their burden easier, then they won't have so much stress and that then, then there won't be a problem because they won't need to use. So I was very, very codependent, extremely codependent. I had to be in control all the time. And that was one of the first um, one of the first things I learned about, and I learned I was extremely codependent, and I had to figure out a way to break away from that or it was going to kill me.
0: Oh my gosh, Christine. The other thing I just want to first celebrate, um, you sharing that and the fact that you are acting like any human would act any, you know, mother or when anyone who loves someone with an addiction, it's like in the beginning, that is how we, we behave in such a way because we love, you know, these people in our lives and we would do anything for them. So, um, I just want to bring that up because a lot of people initially think that you know that they can change them, that they can't, they can, and I think that's where that expression, like we're powerless over the addiction, um, yes. comes in. But I I I struggle with that because we do have a lot of power and many other aspects to take back our own power. I and mean, that's what this podcast and you know the support group is all about. And so I'm I just wanna celebrate you sharing that and your ability to work through that and recognize that okay, this this is this is what it is and 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 i i also would love to talk about um the wrong things doing the wrong things because i literally if i look back it's like i did all the wrong things like paying mm-hmm. for his truck and you know making yes. excuses why he's not coming to the family functions and this and mm-hmm. that and the list goes on um so just for the purpose of the listener right when they're maybe right in the muck of things or in the beginning of maybe even in denial that there might not even be an addiction right um let's let's speak to that a little bit. Cause I think that might help a lot
1: of listeners. Well, um, the things that I did was, um, so her, her daughter's father also has a substance abuse problem. So they, they bought a house together and things just kind of came apart and we couldn't afford the house anymore. And I didn't realize that they were, I mean I kind of knew that they dabbled in it but I did I had no idea how deep it really was. So when that happened I would go to her I went to her house and I saw the mess. I don't know what it is but a lot of addicted people especially younger people they're very very messy. <laughs> they're everybody I know whose child has a problem has like the rooms look like a tornado blew through it, you know cups and food in your room and all that kind of stuff. So when I went to her house, it was in really bad condition and she was just sitting on the ground, like in the fetal position. And so what I did was I turned into the fixer, right? You know, so I was like, okay. I brought on a crew of like ten people. We got the house cleaned up. We got everything moved out. We painted. We replaced things. We mowed the grass. I called in a landscaper. We rented that house out for a year until we could figure out how she could get back in and afford it by herself. And I collected the rent, and she didn't have to do anything. She just got to live in my house, and I took over everything. That was the first thing that I did. Then I caught her up on all of her bills because people who are addicted, if they have money, they're not spending it on what they're supposed to be spending it on. All sense of responsibility is out the door. They don't pay for their cars. They don't pay for insurance. They don't pay anything on time because they're too busy trying to chase that high because they have to be, they fear um, withdrawal. Withdrawal is extremely painful. And so once they start getting, in that, in that, you know, that, you know, you buy the drugs, you, you, you feel better and then you withdraw. So you got to find the next drug. It's like a, it's like a roller coaster you cannot get off of. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so she moved in with me and my granddaughter came too. And then, you know, she was okay for a while and then it was just up and then she'd move out. Then she had to move back in and then she was behind on her bills again and a lot of that And, um, So I was constantly catching her up or helping her out or like I said ignoring the signs that were there because you know I didn't want to see it moms don't want to look at their kids we have dreams for our kids you know it's it's like a death when you realize that the dreams that you have for your kids are your dreams and they're not their dreams and they constantly are making the wrong choices it's like you grieve who they could have been Mm -hmm. but um you know, once I realized that, you know, and then she wanted to go to nursing school. So I told her, if you come back in, you're gonna to go to nursing school. And then we helped her pay for that. And she did really well until she didn't. And here we go again. So, um, so yeah, we, I mean, that's what parents do. They think they're fixing it. They don't want to see their child suffering. It's very hard to watch your child suffer when you know you could very easily make it better. You know, built in babysitter never question where they're going. And also she, she has been, had been for her whole life, somebody that was very short tempered. And so what else you, people might find themselves doing is you're the homeowner, they're the child, you have other children, but because their behavior is so unacceptable and they're so grouchy, you're just walking on eggshells in your own home, trying not to just, dis- they get the most attention whatever attention it is, they're getting all the attention because you're trying to keep things as calm as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. So I was not good at letting them face the natural consequences of, you know, letting her face the natural consequences of her behavior. I, I don't think also you're alone same. in that, Christine. I think that that yeah. is the yeah.
0: general, the general thing that happens when you love someone with an addiction, and there's no shame there. And I always tell my clients and to everyone that I speak with, it's like offering yourself compassion around that. And I used to say to myself, I was acting like uh, any girlfriend who loves the person that they're with <laughs> would act when you know, like I, my, my, um, my addicted loved one um, hid his addiction for the longest time, and then I was in denial, like when it did. Come come to surface. It's like, no, there's no problem here. And um, it's amazing how, you know, uh, and I and I want the listeners also to take that in is that, you know, it's very normal and it's very loving and you are a kind human and common humanity makes us behave in that way. Like it makes us want to help the person that we love. And that's why it's so funny because with addiction, it's it's completely different. Like it's like how you would normally act when you love someone. It's almost like those rules go out the window. So, so I'm kind of picking up on what your biggest struggle has been with loving someone with an addiction. And it sounds like this idea of, you know, you want to step up as the mother and you want to, you know, help and be a rescuer and, and solve problems, which is so common. Um, has, has that actually been your biggest struggle?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that having a child that is so drug-dependent It's like watching them be tortured and you can't do anything about it. And I am also the daughter of an alcoholic father. So I know what it's like to be a child of an alcoholic. Um, I was married to an alcoholic for a long time, for 20-something years. And um, he never, I mean, he was what I would call a functional alcoholic. He went to work. He kept up with all his responsibilities. There was no issues, but I always knew that he had an alcohol problem, but there's something about your, when it's your child, it's a different bond. We are not created to, um, to separate from our children. It's just not natural. And so that was very, that was really difficult. And, you know, kind of, it is, I mean, it still is, but and it, like you said, all the rules go out the window of how you would think that she would help somebody. And the biggest things that I learned from that was I don't have any control over her. I don't have control over whether she uses drugs or whether she doesn't. And all I can control is myself. And so I had to learn how to lovingly detach from her to save myself. And that is really hard as a parent because you don't understand what that means. And it doesn't mean necessarily that you cut yourself off and you're not in relationship with them anymore or you just you know don't talk to them. Right now, that is kind of um, the situation that I have with her, but it's not because I've cut her off. It's because she's not talking to me right now, which is okay because she knows that I know the deal and I think there's a lot of shame you know that she probably has like most people who have um, substance abuse problems they know it's like a vicious circle they know that they're hurting themselves and they're hurting other people but they can't stop because it's such a strong and powerful baffling disease so um, but I mean that's kind of where we are right now um, I hadn't always been like that and it was very hard for me to stay in my own lane that was the next thing You know, we are, we all have our own journey and her journey is not my journey. Mm. And I have to live my best life, as cliche as that sounds, and then give her the dignity as an adult to make her own choices as well, even when I don't like her choices. Yeah. So um, staying out of her business, was really really hard for me um but it was crucial it's crucial to her um, recovery letting her suffer her own consequences even though it hurts me so much because you know just nobody wants to think that their child will end up homeless or you think you'll never allow that you know my child will never be homeless I will never allow that to happen um uh, you know I, I'll make sure she never goes to jail you know now, she hasn't been in jail that I know of, but, um, you know, if that was something that would happen, I'd be the first one to bail her out. I know different now. I know that that would hurt her because every time we, every time we so-called save them, we're really not helping them. We're just kicking the can further down the road and it allows them to keep on with their same behavior. So, that was another thing that was really, really hard for me is I'm, I'm very, very, I'm such a very controlling person and such a problem solver by nature. That's just how I am. Mm -hmm. And when you realize that you can't, you can't, this is something you cannot fix. I mean, if you're a mom or a dad and you have kids that you're having issues with, with substance abuse or alcohol, you know, don't beat yourself up. It is not your fault. And that's the one thing I learned. This is not my fault. I can't control it. I didn't cause it. I cannot cure it. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is accepting or believing in a higher power. Um, Al-Anon, Narnon, they don't call it, you know, God. It, it It's not, there's no denomination um as far as religion goes in the program, but it's, it's, it's it's fairly important to believe that there's something bigger than you out there that um, that you can hand your problems over to and learn to trust that everything happens the way it's supposed to and that you'll be taken care of. And once you kind of learn to let go and um, step back and don't pause... Um, Don't cause chaos and also don't stop it in its natural course of events and let them take responsibility for their own behavior. I think that that just gives them a better chance at recovery and that's what I'm trying to do right now.
0: I'm so thankful for you sharing that story, Christine. And and it's interesting because I normally, my next question usually is like, how did you yourself take back your power? Um, Because obviously this um, podcast and this support group is all about taking back your power and focusing back on you, turning the spotlight back on you. But you already shared so many wonderful things that you have done. So loving from a distance, recognizing that you don't have power over the addiction, that they, she's an adult, she needs to to make your own decisions and so you you've stepped back a little bit. So um, is there anything else? And you said also tapping into a higher power, reaching out to support groups is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Joining a meeting, um, working your own program and your own healing obviously has been instrumental. So, is there anything else that helped you take back your power? How did you really start this process of loving from a distance?
1: Um I think that all of the podcasts that I listen to um, I, all of the reading that I do, I mean, I just tooled up. I, I had to get some tools in my tool belt to be able to deal with whatever was coming down the pipe. Cause I didn't know it is a life. Um, <laughs> it's like being on a roller coaster. You just don't know what the next what, what the next thing's going to be. And so you just have to learn to like, meditation is big for me. I meditate a lot. Um, I'm much more peaceful than I've ever been before and I've just learned to just accept the fact that life is not always easy it's not easy for us it's not going to be easy for our kids and that bad things happen bad things do happen you can't stop it and you know if it's out of your control you just have to learn to live life on life's terms and just handle everything as it comes and to have faith that you are exactly where you're supposed to be at this time and it's I just think that we're all here to learn a lesson. Um, we're all here. My belief is um, we're here um, and this life is like a living in a classroom and we're just here to get stronger, to build character, to love people and to, and just to learn. And so I, it, it just helps me to believe that no matter what happens, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be and she's exactly where she's supposed to be. I don't understand her journey. It is not mine. I can't control it. And that, you know, again, that's very, very hard when it's your child. I don't care how old they are. But, um, and learning that I, learning that my life is important. I'm important too. Yes. Um, Living my life and taking control of my life and realizing I have my own life to live. I can't live anybody else's life. And they don't want me to live their life. You know, she doesn't want me breathing down her neck, even though I'm saying things that she needs to hear. She can't hear it anyway. So um, she's not ready. It falls on deaf ears. And so I have to learn to spend my time uh, working on myself and figuring out what I want in this life and creating, you know, my own life and learning how to get out of my head when things are hard and, um I've just done a really good job with that. Just, I haven't always been that way. I used to have a lot of anxiety, but one good thing about this program about Al-Anon or Nar-Anon is you can use everything you learn in that program and and in all aspects of your life. It's not just for your um, handling your addicted loved one. It's for you to use in everything. Um, Like I was telling you earlier, my husband, um, faced a possible leukemia diagnosis and we we were we've been waiting for a month to get through all the testing and I can't explain it but I just had a lot of peace about it and I just knew that if this is what it was supposed to be that we were going to figure it out we were going to get through it and I didn't I really didn't worry about it at all Whereas before this program, I probably would have been biting all my nails off and, you know, in the fetal position in the corner waiting for the bad news, um, unable to function, unable to go to work. But because of everything that I've learned in this program and just reading lots of different books and stuff, I've realized this is for everything. This is, I can, I can get through this too.
0: Yes. And I, that's just so wonderful. It sounds like you've really adopted a go with the flow, kind of step back a little bit and just trusting in whatever is going to unfold will unfold. And that is bringing you peace. And I I know that like sometimes, right, when we get lost in the stress and the anxiety of our, like we get in that stress response and then we go into rumination and worry, we can actually make situations worse than they might actually even be or um, vice versa, right? So it's like learning how to cope with what could be stressful situations or challenges and stresses, really the epitome of building that resilience, that resilience muscle. So I do want to celebrate your resilience, Um, So I know there's probably some people listening and thinking, Oh my gosh, why can I not be that stronger? Like, I wish that I could, you know, just step back and and love from a distance. And I think I even did an episode on like how not to care, (laughs) how not to love so much, (laughs) because it's like, so So can we talk about that? Like, is there something that for the listener that you can recommend um, to adopt a little bit more of that ability to to find peace in the moment, to be trusting that things will unfold and and, and kind of adopt that
1: that growth mindset that you have? I just think that tapping into your higher power, whatever that looks like to you, um, is very, very helpful. And also learning to stay present Um, stay where your feet are try to only look at the day ahead of you and don't look in the past because that's where depression is and don't look into the future because that's where anxiety lives all you have is today we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow to any of us and just being grateful just having gratitude for everything in my life I mean the big things and the little things that helps too when you when you find things that, you know, you can be grateful for. And I have, I really do have a very blessed life. Um, and I do really do stay present. I try to stay in the moment because it's very easy to just go down the rabbit hole if you let yourself. And I know that there are some people that have a dif- have difficulty with that. And I don't really know how to tell anybody how to, how to not do that except for, learn all you can, learn all you can about meditate. Meditating helps learn all about, you know, whatever you're suffering with. If you are just a very anxious person, learn everything you can about anxiety, how you can, you know, control it. Maybe you need to see a doctor. Maybe you need to, there's no shame in that. Um, you know, some people have to get on antidepressants. Some people have to see psychiatrists. I mean, this is a this is a very big deal. Um, and it's it's very depressing um, if you let it be, and um, if you let it just take control of your life, and it, and it can take control of your life. You you yes. you can just have your whole life wrapped around the axle, waiting for the next shoe to drop. Um, and it's funny because um, uh, my therapist, she said, some, I said something about you know just waiting for the shoe to drop, and she said, just remember if you ever get into a situation. Where you're waiting for the shoe to drop, remember you're the one holding the shoe. And mm. I thought, well, that's that's kind of interesting. So it's it's all about how you handle what's thrown at a you know, was thrown at you. You can either, you know, lay down and die <laughs> in the corner, or you can do what you can do, and that's be grateful, realize you're not in control realize that there's something higher there's something bigger than you that you can give control to and then learning to hand it over and sometimes when things are bad like you know when when I realized my daughter didn't have a home I mean I was very upset nobody wants to see their child homeless but I just I I just closed my eyes and I just pictured myself literally handing her into the hands of God and saying I can't do this I was never supposed to do this. This isn't really my place, but it's yours and you can do better than I can. And so I trust you with that, whatever that looks like. And just releasing them and just, you know, praying every day. My prayer for her every day is um, let this be the day that she finds recovery. And if it's not, keep her well until tomorrow. Mm. And I'm hoping that on her journey, she's learning whatever she needs to learn Um, And I'm hoping for um, recovery for her one day. I don't know. Maybe she will recover. Maybe she won't. I don't know. Um, But I can't go down. I can't look too far into the future because we start, our minds start telling us stories that aren't true or so staying present has really helped me. Staying present. I have a great moms group. Um, I actually formed a little moms group um, the beginning of last year. It's a small group. We are all over the United States. We're spread out everywhere. We are have gotten to be extremely close. We talk multiple times a day. And these ladies have been an immense amount of support for me. Oh. And um, we all learn from each other. And that is very that is very, very important to me more than anything, because nobody can understand what a mom goes through like another mom and so that was really important to me is to find other moms I mean I was in relationship with other people who had boyfriends or husbands or wives but I wanted a mom yes (laughs) I wanted a mom who knew exactly how I felt and I have I have wonderful wonderful moms in my group so I'm very blessed to have them
0: Oh my gosh. So I'm hearing so many amazing actionable things that the listeners can do, such as grounding yourself in the present moment, um, meditation, calming that mind, connecting to breath, um, reaching out to other people that are going through a similar struggle. And, you know, that's so essential. And that's been my lifeline as well um, through all of this and um, connecting to a higher power, um, finding that support that you need, going and listening to podcasts and reading books and, you know, if you're struggling with something reach out for help to a therapist or you know or a doctor if you need to um and like there's just so many things that you you share there I can't even recap them all but um so wonderful so if there is one last thing um that you could share here with someone who is in the muck of loving someone with an addiction um what what do you want to say to them
1: I just would like to say that um it's not your fault and don't waste your time trying to fix something that you can't fix. Uh, it's possible to stay in relationships with people who are addicted or are, you know, have an alcohol problem. Um, I know lots of people do, but it, that's going to require a lot of work on your part. And you have to, you have to take care of yourself. Nobody is going to take care of you. You have to take care of yourself. Uh, you know these are grown people. these are adults we're talking about. and um, we're all supposed to take care of ourselves. You can love somebody, but you don't have to, you don't have to take responsibility for the things that they should be taking responsibility for. Um, so I would just say, learn as much as you can about addiction, learn as much as you can about um, about where what your part is and um, just, work on your own life, just, just focus on you. Yes.
0: Yes. And that's obviously the message of this podcast. And it's all about taking back your power and giving yourself a big love. And it's beyond just self-care It's self-compassion It's tapping into your own meaning and your value that you bring this world. It's, you know, loving from a distance, especially if you're a parent, I can't even imagine that my situation was a, a significant other. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just my heart goes out to you, Christine, and I know that you are in a great place. Um, but of course, I know you're still on the roller coaster. You still have ups and downs because you're human. And mm-hmm. uh, and so I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story of strength and resilience um, with me and the listeners. Because I know even if there's one little actionable nugget or a little something that can support um, someone who's loving someone with an addiction, that it really does make a difference.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. So learn as much as you can take care of yourself. Well, there you have it.
0: I am so thankful for her story of strength and resilience. And I want to reach out to you. If you have a story of strength and resilience, I know you have so much strength in you. Sometimes we have ups and downs. We're on a roller coaster. Maybe we're on a merry-go-round. But your story and your resilience and your evidence of resilience is really essential for our listeners. So I would love it if you wanted to reach out to me and be a guest on the show and share your story so that everybody can feel like they're not alone, so that they, they can really tap into their own strength and power. So please reach out to me. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you want additional support, you can head on over to my website at AndreaSidal.com where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support groups or anyone going through this struggle so that we can all work together to take back our lives and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but also week after week. I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes every single week so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.